0: My students are, uh, they were waiting for on me one year, I was not teacher, so they are kind of like, now you are sitting one year and now your mind is full of crazy choreographies, and yes, they're right, it's full of crazy choreographies.
1: Welcome to Ballet Dance Life podcast with weekly portion of stories, tips, and dance inspiration. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm your host, and I invite you to explore all nuances of Ballet Life together with me and our amazing guests. Let's start. Debuting in 2019. Jelena's BDA experience is a new program for intermediate to advanced dancers who are looking for a challenging training experience as well as opportunity to perform in a theatrical BDA production. Dancers can apply online and if they are chosen for one of the casts they will receive four to six weeks of online training four days of rehearsals with jelena and her team as well as performance spot in video production the wonderful wizard of oz visit balladenceevolution.com for more details about this exciting program hello everyone how are you welcome back to the podcast Today, I have something so, so special for you. I'm so thrilled to share this episode. And after listening to this conversation, you literally have no more excuses. If you think that you can do something in your life, now, after listening to this conversation, you will know it's totally, fully your responsibility. Today's guest... Malema or you also may know her as Maria Aya, she proved that absolutely everything is possible starting from her dance career adventures to overcoming a very serious health issues last year i don't want to give any snippets from the interview because i know you'll be impressed and if you read the description for this episode you already know that it's gonna be absolutely amazing and um, her journey is truly very inspiring and challenging but at the same time very exciting and encouraging uh, now to look at how how things were happening but i would love to officially introduce our guest Malema Maria Aya is founder and co-organizer of Mosaic Oriental Festival Athens, founder and artistic director of Hamsa International Center Culture and Arts of Middle Eastern countries and creator of hamsa international oriental knowledge certificate she is a leader and main choreographer of uh, Maleman's Banat oriental inspired theatrical dance group international multi-award choreographer and the renowned teacher of oriental and folkloric dances her story is truly unusual and the further you will listen to the interview the more unusual it will get i promise it's one of those inspiring life stories that can teach a lot can encourage a lot and inspire a lot as well as uh, make us think about a lot of things that we kind of avoid to think on a daily basis so i will let you uh, dive into the interview right away but just before that i want to make sure that you are aware about one belly dance project that is currently going on and that can help you to improve your daily belly dance practice you love this dance that's why you pour so much of your time sweat and money into it but Regardless of the time you spend in class or traveling to workshops, what you may be missing is a consistent personal practice. Building a personal practice takes a lot from finding the time to practice to figuring out what to practice and it can feel overwhelming. So let's remove some of the stress. For the next 20 days, the Baladins bundle is running the 21 days of Baladins challenge on Instagram every day a different all-star dancer is providing an exercise drill or homework designed to get you on the dance floor show up practice and start to build a daily habit that could be the very beginning of your consistent personal practice the 21 days of Ballet dance is being run in celebration of the launch of the 2019 Ballet dance bundle which will be on sale on october 16th for one week only the Bella Dance bundle is a once-a-year sale that brings together dancers from all over the world with amazing online practice resources and sells them for over 80% off compared to their individual value. This year's bundle and Instagram challenge include Sadie, Aziza, Rania Renea, Victoria Thiel, Sahra Saida, Orit, Amanda Rose and many others. So check out the challenge by following at the Baladance Bundle on Instagram or see the rest of the contributors and get more information about the bundle itself at ww.thebaladance Hello Maria, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to, to host you on the Baladance Live Podcast. Thank you for your time to to share with us today. <laughs> Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you for the
0: invitation. It's beautiful what you're
1: doing. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I am very excited to talk about your experience and uh, uh, all the dance adventures and projects and things that you you developing and developed, but I would love to start uh, from the very beginning. Okay. Do you remember your first uh, belly dance? Uh, where did you see first time belly dance? Okay.
0: Um, I have, a, I think, a, a quite different story. So dance was a part of my life from when I was six, because I was at the folkloric uh, group. So I started for, from folkloric uh, Greek dances. And uh, after 17 years old, and, you know, life changed, at university, I got married, everything changed. So I left behind uh, the part of the dance and I got more into the university life and studying and working and all this. So after years, at my, when I was 30 years old on my birthday, I decided to do something totally different in my life. And uh, at that time, because uh, I had divorced, I had my daughter small, I was in very big depression. I said, okay, I remembered my love for dance that I have from my childhood years. I said, okay, I will just go to a dance school just to see what to do. And I had never even heard the word Oriental because I come from the folkloric base of dance in Greece. In Greece, we have uh, something that we can say that it's kind of like the Greek ballad style. We call it Tifteteli. I was, you know, the traditionals, even for Tifteteli, we didn't like it. So I I, I didn't have ever even danced at Tifteteli in my life. So I entered... um, this ra- totally random dance school in Athens. Uh, the teacher uh, got me to get into all classes to the Tango, to the Latin, to the bulge, to the Big Folk. And then one class with the ner- with the name Oriental. I was like, okay, what's this thing? And I got into the class and I heard first time Uncle Thun, uh, I totally fall in love from this first hour, with the music, with the movement, with my teacher, Kiko Christodoulou. She's my first teacher for the first uh, three years uh, in Greece. And from that point and after, my life totally changed. Uh, After um, almost two years, I had become become like a baby teacher in this, of elegance, and then my own teacher told me I will I'm stopping teaching uh, you. Whatever I knew, I gave it to you, and now you have to find a new teacher. I cried so much because I felt my teacher leave me, but she wasn't, she's amazing, and she had found already my new teacher. She had contacted already Jose Ambrante, so I started going to England. So Jose Ambrante is my first like Arabic teacher, and so this was my start.
1: Oh wow! Uh, there are a couple of things you mentioned that I really want to dig back. Uh, one first thing you mentioned about uh, Greek uh, folkloric dance Chiftetali. Uh For people who may not know, can you describe and can you tell how different it is from Turkish Chifteteli or is it similar to, to Turkish Chiftetali? Uh
0: So, first of all, it's social dance and not folkloric. Folkloric have different. Mm. So, for us, uh, it's early. Is the dance style that all the Greeks we dance in our celebrations, in the weddings, at the houses, when we go out. So it's a very living dance, even today, everyone dances. Uh, because Greece was under the occupation of Turkey for 400 years, when Turkey was here in Greece, the Greeks were very resistant and we didn't have any connection with Turkish music. But when the Turks left in the 19th century, and also around 100 years ago we had the catastrophe of Minor Asia, and uh, so we we had around a million Greeks who were living in Turkey from ancient years. And for them it was part of their own style, because for example in Izmir, in Smyrna. It was so multicultural that Greeks, and Jews and Armenians, and turks they even had the same music, just with different lyrics, and the same movements. And also we had the Greeks of uh, Istanbul, of Poli, that their style was different. So, um, for recently I was in, traveling with a Turkish teacher, and I was teaching Greek today, on his opinion and on mine, it's the evolution of the style of the Greeks of Turkey, how it evolved in the last 100 years in Greece, and it's very alive. Uh, technically, if we speak, there are similarities, but also there are differences with um, uh, Turkish Tiftelli, uh, uh which can have also a lot influences uh, from Roman Kabasi also. For it's not so much like this. Uh, and also we have differences from the Egyptian ballad style. Technically if we speak, we don't have hip hop in our movements, so everything is hip lift. We have a lot of circles of the hips, small ones, but we don't have the big hip circle that the body goes down and up. Uh, and it's much more uh, simple. And within Greek daily, we have five different styles starting from the 1920s until today. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it is. It's, it's uh, if we have the big umbrella of oriental dances with more than 300 dances from different countries, Greece is under this umbrella because for us it's music connected with movement, with our tradition, so it belongs as a social dance.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting how, like, when we talk about dance, we think about balladance, we right away think about uh, Egypt, Turkey, Lebanon. But, like, actually, Greece is also, like, uh, for, for Greece, dance is also a part of culture. It's different. Uh, like, I feel different in preferences and movements and dance styles in Greece, but it's also very, very traditional to have dance in Greece.
0: Uh... We call it horosklias, which means in Greek the dance of the belly. (laughs) Uh, So it is uh, this. Uh, Greece is uh, the country that we can say we say it's the last breath of the East and the first of Europe. So we are a very big mix of all this, and also the uh, geographic place that precedes from centuries and so many years, uh, we have all the music around us. And mm. uh, above the Balkans, it changed, but we are still in the Oriental.
1: Place. <laughs> yeah that's interesting extra- interesting mix and coming back to to your story so you mentioned that you first came to belly class at around uh, 30, years 30 years old, years old. Uh, 30 years old. Uh, so it's already like you know established mature person with a world view like view yeah. points um what was the uh, that thing that captured your attention specifically in uh, ballet dance, in Oriental dance and music, because you also mentioned uh, musicum kalsum. <laughs>
0: I, I, it happened like an obsession. For the next five years, I could not think anything else than Oriental dance. It was like something. I was looking for and this thing was looking for me. <laughs> uh, because I was a dancer from, uh, from Greek, and I was at the club and we were having performances, in my mind the, I could never be a professional dancer in Oriental because I know the limitations of age and all these things and to start a dance form 30 years old it's very difficult to become a dancer, at least at that time in my mind, because I was a dancer in different styles that demand so much physical and different things. And oriental dance has a very big variety of things that at the time I didn't even know. So after um, I got uh, totally crazy with uh, with the next thing was the culture, because coming from uh, the folkloric uh, Greek groups, we have this, that we have to study dance, we have to study the dance, the culture of the place, the people that they are not dancers, but they're still dancing this dance. Uh, So it's a way that we do research costumes and everything of uh, that is related with the dance, the costumes, everything. So when I started, at that point, Greece was uh, still, we didn't have crisis. So we had uh, money because it's like 20 years ago. And uh, I was a very successful uh, graphic designer for books. So I was making money for the time. So, with Athens, just one hour and 40 minutes from Cairo, I was from really 10 years, almost every month, one time at Cairo. So, it became a very big part of my life. And uh, somehow, I Egyptianize it. (laughs) I don't uh, speak uh, Arabic. Most people uh, think that I speak Arabic because... I translate all the songs that I'm working and I'm trying to find all the cultural things in them. Uh, but uh, I think, yeah, I changed it to a Greek-Egyptian personality through music and dance. So, answering the original question, I fall in love with the beauty of this dance, and with the very big variety it have, and the more I was studying, the more I was fascinated with this dance. At that time, I never thought to be a dancer, of course, as I told you, I never thought to be a teacher. It was not my work, I had already my work, but, uh, because I was maybe from the first ones from Greece going to Egypt and studying at Egypt. At that time, the professional dancers that already existed before I became student, beginner in Greece, they started asking me things about Greece, and slow by slow they made them, they made me teach them. So it's,
1: uh, yeah, it's a different situation. Mm. And uh, do you remember your first, uh, let's say, request for a class uh, from someone that, uh, was it surprising for you? Was it thrilling, exciting, nervous?
0: (laughs) Of course I remember because... uh, it was from a Greek belly Dancer that she was famous at that point. Because for me, as a student and as a fan of this, I was very excited and I was going to every place that belly Dancer was. And we we're speaking about it 20 years before uh, that Oriental dance in Greece was very big. We really had a lot of clubs, a lot of restaurants, so I was going and watching the dancers, so I had relationships with them. And it happened that at that time, my favorite dancer, she asked me for information. I remember about differences between Saidi and Dabki. That was like
1: ah uh,
0: subject. So yeah, this is how it happened
1: this is so fascinating because i uh when you started like uh saying that oh you think you had the different like unusual story i first thought it was just at which point you came to ballet dance and like the age and how you discovered about balance but now like the more you're telling the more fascinating it becomes because it's not very typical than uh, established dancers start asking for classes from uh let's say student, 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 yeah. Yes,
0: because I was the first one to study the history and the details of behind this, And then uh, the first time that I started, let's say, international teaching, that was even more funny because uh, I just had YouTube, a video that I'm dancing at my kitchen. Uh, a lot of people have seen this, it have like half million views. So, and I had, the title was authentic, kitchen can And, uh, it was kind of like a joke with a friend from America, something like that. So I get one, one message. Uh, that they saw one person saw this uh, video. This was the organizer of Orienta Frankfurt. Orienta Frankfurt used it to be the first and the biggest festival in Europe. And actually, it was before Raki Hassan Maitachlan-Watsachlan and it was the one that inspired the rest. Uh, and uh I was invited to be the main teacher from this festival. I was in shock. <sighs> and it was the last time it happened, because they already had it like uh, 20 more years. And the people that they were organizing it, they decided uh, to change their whole situation. For them to it it like a circle. So my international career also started like very... Relative, just with one video in YouTube, I will send you this video. If oh, happens, you yes, know.
1: please, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's uh, so interesting. And how, uh, how your family, how your, like, relatives, friends reacted, because it's quite oh. a different change. And, like, like, when you established as a, uh, you said that you are a designer, you were a writer. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And then suddenly, uh, you do ballet dance for hobby, and then suddenly international career out of ballet uh,
0: My family, in very big surprise. Uh, and uh, somehow worrying all the time uh, because uh, this is uh, for them, this was not like a work a career. I mean, what are you doing? Like almost 40 years old, changing everything and all this. And uh, to be honest, the people that I was. Having like a social circle like before Oriental uh, are not in my life anymore. I think my life circle have changed so much that uh, very rarely. So it's a new new people in my life, and it's connected 90 uh, percent with uh, dance. It's uh, so consuming and how I did it the next years and the things I had with organizations and these kind of things. So, um, but my, let's say my child, uh, friends, they're very happy. They are posting on Facebook. Oh, this is my best friend and this kind of things. <laughs> <It's> so <fun.
1: laughs> it's fun. That's so, so, so cool. And, uh, well, you are, uh, true example and proof for everyone that you can start uh, dance at any age and you can make it as uh, your profession and your career and so whoever is listening now and everyone thought uh, whoever thought that they can't do it anymore now no more excuses <laughs> you and, see it uh, yeah.
0: another thing is that when I started I was 120 kilos so imagine that for me when I said that I'm going to go to a dance school. It was very difficult because it's very difficult for an overweight person to go in a stage to do dance that everyone is slim and all this. So it, it really changed my life
1: but how do you feel ballet dance uh, because we all keep talking that oh ballet dance is uh, so accessible for everyone for any age for any ge- genre for any body type but if we're talking really about not just doing dance for hobby how really is it uh, acceptable like or is there still certain even in ballet dance certain like stereotypes it has to be this way
0: it's very difficult, but the, the stereotypes exist. Um, I had uh, a lot of uh, hard and bitter moments uh, from different situations regarding both my age and my weight in the previous years before I get accepted. Uh, you have to be very good be accepted. And for me it came from uh, the Arab people accepting me. the West it was much more difficult. And even now, even now there are some uh, festivals that they send me messages and then saying mm, you're not marketable. Okay, because I'm not. I understand this. There are Festivals and countries that the dancers and the teachers have to have a specific body type or situations of um, communities of Oriental dance that they're not so much interested in the history. Uh, I did everything, of course, but let's say that my sexuality is this kind of things, and the more cultural approach for it, of it. Uh, yes, the stereotypes exist a lot. I remember at one show some, uh, a lot of years before. Uh, you know, it's like when you're somewhere and people gossip beside you for you and you listen what someone say, it's so bitter. But then you, you're like, just before going on the stage, and you say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm doing it for me not for the others it's the love of the dance it's something unique we can't help it <laughs>
1: mm, yeah this double standards that one thing is sad in face and then another thing behind the back that's uh, I think the saddest part of uh, I can't say I can't blame just ballet dance field. It's just in general, like the people's uh, yeah. attitude is like at least don't don't be fake in the face. So, like don't just I don't know. Like uh, uh, we need to accept, and of course we be, be polite. It's, uh,
0: it's human, nat- human nature. Uh, this is what I have uh, read uh, about uh, this uh, situation. Uh, but when the Arab people accepted me as a teacher and as someone that promotes their own culture in very serious way outside of their own countries, and the Westerners said, something mm, something's happening with this person. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's... That's another interesting phenomena that we first sometimes need to get recognition outside of our own countries or even regions, let's say. Regions. But in mm-hmm. case of well, actually, I remember, um, I actually first went to your workshop. It was in Cairo. It was a Nile group festival you were teaching. And yes. yes and I remember oh, also man. you start mentioning about lyrics because back in then it was, not um, I think it was 2010 and I remember. November. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) and i remember i really was surprised how much attention you brought to translation of the lyrics and interpretation and it was not typical back then for any teacher to bring so much uh, attention to the lyrics translation because all workshops i remember from egyptian teachers oh interpreting um kalsum songs they were just dancing and we had to copy them i was like and back then I was very like let's say baby ballad dancer. I didn't like barely knew what's the difference between ballad and songs and styles are, and I was like what is going on? There is a song. It's instrumental version. Like there is no lyrics. Only later I discovered that it actually was Umkal's interpretation. And there is a dancer there and she's just shimmin' and struggling. And like, that's the whole workshop of two hours. What's going on? And I remember going to, to your workshops too. And I was sure you also speak uh, Arabic. That's something that you <laughs> just established to too. Because then, like now it's not much surprising that teachers provide or tell translation and meaning of the lyrics back but, but even like what 9-10 years ago 2010 it was not typical yeah. at all
0: no i think that's one of the, uh, the different things that i'm doing i'm like a teacher now because uh since i started 30 years old dance, i knew that it, even when i got like crazy about it around 35 I knew I would not be a dancer. I started to go to different workshops and seminars on how to teach, not how to teach dance, how to be a teacher. Hmm. So I think a lot of, uh, because I respect very much the word teacher and what is a teacher at any subject. And... Because us, like, like teachers, suddenly we have not done pedagogics in reality, most of us. We don't know real safety of the body, if we're really doing Because if you start 30, not even my case, 20, just a high school girl finishing school in love with Orient and suddenly become a teacher in 25. I can say they are trainers, but teacher is a different thing. So I decided to become a good teacher, and that's why I did a lot of workshops on many subjects, from uh, first aid. Someone, something happened to someone in my class, because as we said before, that Oriental dance is for all ages. We can have a sixty-year-old played in the class, and she might have uh, something, a heart attack. We don't know what to do, so we have to study first aid, first aid, how to help our students, pedagogics, go, psychology pedagogics. Uh, when we are dealing with kids or teenagers, especially when we have to do with this dance that by nature is so feminine and not sexual, but is sensual, how to give the element of this dance to one kid that maybe is six, eight years old, or twelve, or right before dating, teenager years, without getting them out of their own age, and without doing things that they are not for their age, and probably could hurt their own personality in the future also but still give the elements of oriental dancing and collect- technique in every way, in tradition and everything. So, I don't know why I said this. <laughs> um, I started from somewhere. You we
1: were talking about <laughs> difference between trainer and teacher. Yes, yes,
0: yes. So to be a teacher is something very different. Besides the material that we have to uh, to teach and to know, we have to know a lot of things and a lot of methods also for our students to benefit of what we are teaching. About the lyrics, this is how I remember it.
1: Yeah, but your interest to dig deep into lyrics, into culture... Where did y- did that come from? You briefly mentioned about your previous folkloric training, but was it from there or was it from your ballet teachers maybe?
0: No, no, it was from the folkloric. For us, when we are dealing with dance that have social uh, roots and it's connected with a specific country or even city, for example, we have, this is the Greek method of researching, we have to research what's in this, uh, what's happening in uh, from the culture, from the steps, from the costumes, from everything. Uh, other way, it's incomplete. And then, yes, we study also the performance on the stage. But this is kind of the result. So we go to the roots. I, I remember myself when I was going because I have been. 17 Nile groups. <laughs> Can you imagine nice. this? Actually, the time that he was in my class, uh, it was the first and only time uh, I I taught Nile group, because after from January also it was the revolution, so everything uh, changed. Uh, because the previous June, I was the first time that I had completed 500 hours at Nile Group for workshops.
1: Oh, so I was lucky to, ke- to catch them. that one. <laughs> ah. I
0: was lucky also because uh, if you remember that class, it was such a full class and such a unique experience. And also it was a very big opportunity and I thank very much Nile Group for the opportunity they gave me. Uh, because it was a lot of organizers in this class, so after you know, started like rolling. And uh, for me, it was a very big moment that because my group was my, uh, at that time, it was just only two festivals in Niger, Aklan and Sakhalan, and group. Mm-hmm. It's not like now that there are so many. So and it was kind of like if you go to one, then you stick because you know the people, you know the, the atmosphere, you feel comfortable. So I was always going to group. Uh, it was a very big uh, moment for me to teach in the class that I have been in the classes of uh, Madame Farida Fakhmi or Mahoudreza and so many other.
1: The artists uh, of uh, uh, so yeah <laughs> it was very nice. Mm. very nice. That's so awesome! Uh, I didn't know that I was triple way lucky <laughs> to uh-huh. catch that class too. Also, I know that you are using sometimes. uh Sort of a double stage name, you use in Maria Aya, but sometimes you put Malema. Oh, I'm gonna explain
0: I have to this. So when I started orienting Greece, everyone had to had a stage name. But I was not a dancer, I was like, okay, I was starting to teach. Even for students it was required to have So, at that time, uh, the first years, when I was even a student, one Ibanez teacher had, uh, she was a a priest for workshops. Uh, Her name was uh, Tukhazar. And uh, she gave me the name Aya, just like this. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna, since I must have a name, Okay, Maria, it sounded somehow like a name and something. Mm -hmm. So this is how this uh, name started. Uh, As the years uh, proceeded, for around uh, 15 years, no, a little bit less, my group, uh, my students, more professionals, we started to work the Egyptian embassy. So the ambassador gave me the nickname uh, Malema, which is a, a for Egyptians it's Moalema means teacher. Malema means boss and for and in reality it's the characteristic of a woman because in these countries it's very difficult for a woman to be a boss, even in a small place. The woman that she can manage herself and her life alone, and she's strong. So this is my nickname from the ambassador of and slow by slow in Greece, everyone calls me Malema. If someone calls me Maria, I'm like, okay, this person knows me from 15 years and back. So. Since everyone calls me Malema, it's also my stage name somehow. Uh, actually, people think that my name is Malema.
1: Oh, no. and <laughs> which one so do you prefer? <laughs> uh,
0: because in the years I have become really this person of this personality, I prefer Malema.
1: Interesting. <laughs> this is how I introduce
0: myself. Uh, somehow, in a way, my teacher, choreographic personality is Mariya, and the serious one, and the most fun and crazy is the Malema. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: that's so 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 cool.
0: Uh, also, the ambassador gave the name of my group. Because my group is named Malema's Banat. Banat are the girls. So it's a very simple name. It's the girls of Malema.
1: <laughs> ah, that's fun story. And by the way, you are teaching currently, like you're having a group uh, in Greece and you're also teaching classes uh how popular are ballet dance classes and how easy or difficult it is to get students to come just to regular weekly let's say classes uh,
0: okay through all these years uh, first i was uh, in different dance schools uh, after i opened uh, my own uh, dance school here in Athens uh, with a partner and uh, Then I closed it. But the last uh, five years, uh, in reality, what I I have is that I made one official organization. The organization name is called uh, Hamza. Uh, From this uh, symbol Hamza, that I also have, uh, it's my beloved symbol. And uh, our official uh, name is, uh, we are the International Centre Culture and Arts of East Mediterranean countries. So what we do is uh, dance, music and culture. So the previous years we had uh, also Arabic uh, lessons, language. Uh, we it's a it's an organization. It's not a dance school, of course. The dance part is happening like somehow a dance school, and In nothing's. Everyone loves it. Every dance school have an Oriental teacher today that they do Oriental, and we can say that there are more than. Okay, maybe from for Ukraine and Russia and other countries, it's not a big number. But for Greece to for us to have like five thousand people all over Greece to be involved with in very good way in Oriental, it's a good situation.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, now. Uh, uh, because the last uh, one year and a half my life changed it. I think you, you know or you don't know? Uh, not sure. <laughs> okay. So uh, I was traveling in all these countries. I had Hamza. Hamza had a very nice face in Athens. We had the festival, we like festival in Athens. Uh, we have a band. We worked together for the, the one and 26 February, 2018, I woke up with the pain at my hand. I go to the doctor and he tells you're having a heart attack now. So from 26 February, 2018 until 31 January, 2019. So that's some much for now. I had 14 heart attacks.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Five brain strokes. I lost my vision. I had heart operation. Uh, I, I have lupus. I don't know if you know what is lupus. Lupus is an autoimmune uh, disease. But in my case, uh, I the heart and the brain and the nephrons. Uh, I closed the school. I, last summer, I was not walking for three months. Uh, and then I decided to search it more. So I did a very big change of all my doctors. And I searched it through America. And now I'm from the first 1,000 people in the world that don't have lupus, so I'm total healthy again. Yes, uh, in this that it's not. Everyone says you have it for a life. In my case, it was very difficult. Uh, so now I have a second chance for a lot of things, and I'm really, very happy and I'm focused more on to what we do with the band. So we have one band that we work together to so my weekly classes, just selected traveling, already I'm traveling once per month, so okay, uh, but also because before five years, I created a Dance Therapist Method and I was doing this for refugee women and abused women and from this program passed it, more than 500 women. So now, from 1st uh, of October, uh, I'm starting again uh, to have these groups of... Uh, I created one Dance Therapy Method with Oriental. It's based on a method that already exists, and I have done lessons with this uh, teacher from uh, Gabriella Roth. She was an American choreographer. And uh, until now, there are 200 people that have enrolled to the October classes, which means that these are all women from Syria, from Iraq, from Afghanistan, from Iran, And most of them, they are raided. So this is my... So I have like two projects. For Oriental dance, I'm much more focused on the live music subject. And for uh, the other projects, a lot of refugee women.
1: Well, first of all, congratulations on overcoming all this. I had no idea about all these, uh, ups and downs, uh, of, in the health area for last year-ish that you had. And it's just amazing how you overcame and, uh, Wow, 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 wow. (laughs) I'm looking forward to what this next second chapter will bring and how much uh, probably enthusiasm and like ideas and inspiration you have. And already, even you are saying about your second project, but it's just amazing how much uh, power you have in you. And you, you are true Malema. That's why I said Malema,
0: (laughs) everyone calls me Malema.
1: Oh, wow, and uh, this is also a huge inspiration for someone who may go through something similar in this way or another, that there is always, everything that's is figureable.
0: That's why I am very open about it, because lupus is one uh, syndrome that is uh, considered very difficult, and many people don't know something about it, and because it's very difficult to be diagnosed, I have become like a volunteer of uh, communication about this and sharing my story. Also. But of course, I'm very happy that I can teach and next week I'm uh, waiting like the beginning of uh, our year. So, yeah. My students are uh, they were waiting for me. One year I was not teacher, sure, so but I was not teaching. So they are kind of like now you are sitting one year and now your mind is full of crazy choreographies. And yes, they're right, it's full of crazy choreography. <laughs> so uh, we enjoy every day. This is what, what's the message. Let's enjoy every day because we never know what's going to happen tomorrow.
1: Mm, great reminder and also great inspiration to never give up and always look for solutions and in your case it was change of doctors who found a solution and help you but also like first of all never give up on yourself and keep 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 enjoying that di- life and keep dancing to <laughs> no matter what at least in your head in your mind uh keep keep something inspiring for yourself and also it's awesome that you are starting this new project and completely uh, uh, I can't say completely different direction because it's still very related to like to the subjects of ballads we don't talk about uh, much. We uh, do we only hear about them in more promotional way or connect to your femininity or find your center. But sign up.
0: Look, because this is not the first time I'm doing it, and I have already the experience of almost two years doing it. In uh, shelters here in Athens. Uh, first of all, oriental dance by its own, in reality, has something that is so therapeutic in its own movements for the human body that it's a the therapy by its own. Uh, working with women from war uh, countries the previous years, but not only with these women, because I was working also with women from Africa. They were uh, victims of uh, sex trafficking, which is uh, another very difficult case. And these women, their body is blocked, they cannot breathe, they cannot open their hands. So all this blocking comes from the emotional, from the mental, from whatever has happened to their life. And creating reality diseases in the future. So, just with oriental dance, do the simple things that we all do, like breathing, up hands, open the chest, the shimmy, the figure eight, the hip area. So important for the feminine uh, organs. Uh, I saw lesson by lesson, hour by hour, how they were opening. I remember I had one student, She was from Iran, and the first time she came, uh, she said, one time I had a life, now I'm just a number. And now it's two years after this, and this woman stood up on her legs, she tried to work, she saw, also what I saw is that because Oriental dance have something personal, at least the way I teach it, is, I touch people. Uh, when I'm teaching, I bring them touch me to see the or, you know, in the class. These are women that they are waiting for a hug. They're waiting for someone to touch them, even. And this is happening for years. So, what I saw is that in the classes I had, the sessions, it created communities that they supported each other in different ways, they laughed. Even for one hour, they forgot the situation they have passed them. Uh, and we are speaking about things that are so difficult for us in West to understand. Uh, I mean, mothers that are killed in front of them, their kids. What more to say? We can never understand this. It's out of our imagination. Yeah. So it's a very big uh, responsibility to do movements. Oriental movement, and um, it's not dance, but it is Oriental movement. All the movements that I'm using are Oriental, to give even for one hour joy to this woman, but same time to give them the power to fight for their life. Mm.
1: It's interesting how. I don't know. I have. Just, I don't know much about dance therapy and especially dealing with, um, uh, th- like using dance as a therapy for such kind of uh, issues and problems. So, uh, I I don't really uh, like know all all things inside. But one thought I just had, like belly dance, we often talk that all uh, movements in belly dance, they are sort of sensual by their nature. Uh, we yes. always add this sensuality. So, if you're talking about treating um, some sexual abuse trauma or anything like that, uh, would it be, have, I don't know, opposite effect to, to make someone uh, do something like that? Wouldn't it trick? I don't know. I'm just guessing, I just was having this thought in my mind. It's like, I don't understand, like, if it's really, like, I
0: yeah. Look. Uh, One of the things that happens in women that have been sexually abused is that they have dropped out their own femininity. So they don't want to be women. So Oriental movement is bringing them back in balance with what their body is in reality. Because women don't walk or don't move like men. We move like women. Of course, it's never in uh, the sessions at all in any sexual or sensual way when it's happening. It's always connected with uh, speaking, with feel your body, feel your bones. Now we're moving this. And uh, when, uh, for example, figure eight, it's uh, sensual if we do it in an oriental dance in a song in, uh, in cooperation with the upper body in different things, but when we say we are just standing, we are focusing on the female organs and we are doing figure eight 30 times to warm inside. We don't think any sexual things. Mm. and the general uh, philosophy of this method uh, of this uh, uh, method as uh, the creator made it, Gabriela Roth, she searched for many years and she created this method on the five different ways the human body is moving regardless age, shape, uh, gender, nationality, where we are from. So... The first movement the human body has is the movement of floating. So we flow in our body. The, the second is the staccato, the sharp one, mm-hmm. when the body gets from inside out the energy. Uh, the next one is the chaos, the chaotic movement, when the body just reacts something, to the movement, and we don't care where the leg goes, when the where the hand goes and all this. The fourth um, is lyrical. When the body starts to create dance, mm. the body creates dance. And the last one is stillness. When we are still, without moving, but still inside us, somehow we are moving. moving. So, we create a wave five times in one hour, a wave of these movements one by one for all the body. So, it's like awakening of the body. And a lot of people um, speak about it that method, it's like steaming out of the body, it's like the body gets rid of things. Uh, I had uh, done a workshop with this uh, choreographer uh, like 15 years ago at London and her own style of dancing, she was a modern uh, dancer. So it's not even about what style. Mm-hmm. Her dancer. Uh, I was Oriental always and uh, we had a conversation after and she was the one that she told me, try to make this method with Oriental movements because Oriental dance have so many self-therapeutic movements of the body. So like four years ago when they asked me from the United Nations to make this program, and so now I'm going to continue this
1: hmm i just realized that it's basically the same principle that they're sometimes talking about how body can influence our mind like for instance i just uh, on another (laughs) another example i remember they always say oh if you feel like don't know down or depressed or uh, uncomfortable or um not um uh I forgot this word <laughs> in English now, that's but not mature in yourself. Uh, just uh, straighten your back and lift up your head, and you f- you feel the difference in your uh, mood or. Uh, uh, your confidence, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> not confident. Or these exercises of keeping pen between your lips to create a smile, like one minute a day, it will change your mood. So it's basically, it's interesting how it's basically the same concept that comes in a, a therapeutic way in this case. You are not giving it consciously this meaning of connecting to femininity by, by its nature. And just by physically performing it, it helps us. That's fascinating. That's something that we don't really talk in ballet dance much. We just kind of skip and we, we try to put it more, I don't know, um, uh, more uh, mystical, like all oh, the ancient art form that will help you to like, you know, of this promotional <laughs> materials to make students come to class. But it actually does have this effect indeed uh, from this uh, nature of movement. Of well I am absolutely thrilled to follow up on your projects and see uh, what this uh, new chapter in your life will bring and uh, I really looking forward to also attend more of your workshops and uh, meet you uh, more often all around the world and uh, uh, hopefully like more organizers will uh, um, invite you to share your knowledge with all valid dance community knowledge and wisdom uh, but 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 uh, can you please tell us, so in the nearest future, what are your upcoming uh, trips where dancers, ballet dancers, may uh, oh trips or workshops where ballet dancers can catch you at? And what is the best way to follow your dance activities?
0: (laughs) Okay, Um, the best way to follow me is through Facebook because uh, with the rest I'm not so. so much. So, in Facebook, my name is uh, Maria Durudaki, but I also have a page, which is Maria Yemalema, and also the page of the organization, Hunter Oriental Art Hubs. Uh, next weekend, I'm going to be teaching at the Joy of Yorkshire, the biggest festival of uh, England, and I think the oldest, I will be with Khaled Mahmoud and Aziz of Cairo. And again, and it's Nawara and it's going to be fabulous. It's a very nice uh, festival. It's my second time being there. And at the middle of uh, November, I'm going to be at Cairo with a group, of twelve Greeks. After so many years, and uh, we have, uh, I have found the orchestra so we will have. Uh, Our classes with the orchestra in Cairo. Wow. So I'm very happy for this. This is kind of like a private group going. Uh, Beginning of December, I'm going to be at Slovenia. And uh, then from, um, I think, February, Finland and uh, April, Russia. Mm. like so far what I remember
1: So sounds good sounds exciting uh, too like a little uh, map of your upcoming tours and more people can find definitely I'm sure on social media I will also add link to your Facebook uh, pages in the show notes so For all our listeners, you know you can go straight there and connect and discover more about uh, Malema's uh, activities, dance <laughs> activities and adventures, and check her upcoming workshops. And I uh, also want to thank you so much once again for taking time thank and sharing you. with us your very inspirational uh, story and very encouraging story uh, for many, not only dancers but in general people. It's literally the uh, so many little. St- Stories inside this big story that you told us about, even the belief that you can start at any time, believe in yourself, and never give up, and you can overcome all issues. So thank you so much for sharing all this. Thank you so much,
0: and uh, whenever you want, uh, we can repeat it. Was a, a joy for me also.
1: Uh I would be very, very happy. And also, I have uh, a signature question of the podcast that I finish, I sum up every interview with it. We kind of talked about it, but we focused more about what belly dance was for you in the beginning. So maybe uh, answering this question now, you can more focus what it is now. But the question is, what makes you fall in love with belly dance again and again so you keep doing it for so many years?
0: the music the music I know it's uh, it's but when, even when you cannot when you are at the bed when you're not dancing music is always there so for me the music is the first thing mm. and how this dance goes and connects on the music
1: thank you for listening everyone I hope you enjoyed this episode and if so do you know the best way to support this project is to share it with your friends. It takes few seconds, costs you nothing, but it helps a lot to move this project forward and help me to bring more awesome guests on the podcast in the future. You can tell your friend, you can send a message, email, you can screenshot and put a, a post on social media, whatever works better for you. But if every one of you will share this episode at least with one more person, It will make a huge difference for this podcast. Thank you for spending your time with us, for your support and love. And until next time, keep shimming, keep dancing, and I will see you soon.